Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt. I'm a coach, trainer and hypnotherapist. And my goals with this podcast are to help all of us find the tools, the mindset, the habits, the behaviors that we need to feel more in control, to weather the tough stuff when it hits us and to be great role models for our kids. Of course, here we are approaching the summer holidays in the UK where our children are off school for between six and eight weeks even more if they go to private school. And so for many mums and dads all across the country, this is the time we have to kind of bring our A game because now we're trying to manage work and summer holidays, keeping the kids occupied. We are sometimes kind of like their cruise directors. Depending on how old your kids are, maybe a lot of that's happening independently, but then they still require different things from you and the energy in the house is different. There's just a lot going on. My kids are still young, and so generally what it means is I have to kind of shelve work or push it into the early morning and the late evening so that I can spend the days with them. And so this six-week period that we are coming up to, for me, is a time when I have to be really intentional about the energy that I want to bring, the person I want to demonstrate myself to be, firstly as a mum and a wife, but then also how I show up for my clients, how I continue to do the work that they need me to do. So there's a lot to think about. And for many of you, if you are employed and you're in full-time employment, there's even more to think about because then you've got to keep your colleagues happy. You've got to still be a team player. You've got to get the stuff done that your boss wants you to do. And there's all of that happening on top of the fact that your kids are there and they need you too. And so it can feel like you're being pulled in loads of different directions. In this episode, I'm going to share with you my tips for helping you feel in control and making sure that your support system is as strong as it can be when you go into the six week period. So that ideally it does become something that you can look back on and say, that was really fun. I enjoyed the time I had with my kids. I did some fantastic work. I invested something in myself and I feel good about that. And the whole thing as a package of six weeks was actually kind of a highlight. So in this episode, I'm gonna share with you the five things I do in the lead up to and throughout the six week holidays so that I increase the chance of creating positive memories and moments that I will look back on and that my children, my family will look back on and think, God, that was really cool. That was really fun. Here we go. For the first few years after the adoption placement, I always managed the summer holidays by just basically stopping everything else and focusing only on my children. Now, at the time, in the early days, my youngest was still of nursery age. So that didn't make as much difference as it had in the last couple of years when he's been at school. Because then the rhythm really changes. When you're used to having the school day to do your work and only the afternoons where you kind of need to balance both things or put work aside and focus on your kids, then you don't feel the energy shift quite so dramatically. So in those early days of the holidays, I didn't feel it quite as dramatically as I feel it now. And I don't know if it's the same for you. I know for a lot of the clients who I work with, they are self-employed. And so they find it the same as me that, you know, you're just into a rhythm. You're just starting to get on your feet. You're just starting to get things going exactly as you want them. And then it's time to take a break, change the energy, change the flow, change the dynamic and break all of your patterns and then begin again. And then just when you get on your feet, it's holiday again. So if it's the same for you, then that holiday period can be the time when you feel a little bit out of control, a little bit off kilter, 
not quite yourself. So that sense of feeling in control becomes really important. But we also kind of risk being too controlling as a result. And that sort of ruins the fun as well, because we do want it to feel like fun. It's the summer holidays. And ideally, it's something that we all enjoy. Now, particularly this year with coronavirus still being on everyone's radar, still causing problems with travel and holidays and things like that, for a lot of us, we're staying home and not necessarily traveling too far afield, not necessarily getting a break, not necessarily having both parents, if you are a two-parent household, where you're both together and would normally go on holiday together. That's not happening for all households this year. So again, these five tips can help when things are just not quite the way you would like them to be. My first tip is sit down with a piece of paper and a pen or a journal, even better if you've got a journal, and write down what is really important. What matters enough? Because you will not have time for everything. It's not going to happen. And you must make decisions. And I'm not talking about the kind of decisions that you make about what goals to achieve and what stuff to do. This is not a to-do list. This is what is important to you in terms of the life you live, how you want to live it, and how you want it to feel, what legacy you want to create. And I know that sounds really big. We're just talking about the summer holidays, for God's sake. But in my opinion, it's these days that add up to become our legacy. It's that idea of legacy that kind of runs through a lot of the tips that I'm going to share with you. And that's a key part of the way I think, because my life experience has shown me that you don't always get as much time as you think you have. As I sit here recording this, I'm 46 years old, and I'm five years older than my dad was when he died. It was the 17th of June, 1990. The night before, on the 16th, I had gone to a party instead of going out with my folks to visit some friends. I wanted to hang out with my own friends, so that night I went to a party and I stayed over at a friend's house, and the following morning we got a call early in the morning to say that my parents had been involved in a car accident and that my dad hadn't made it. That was the morning of the 17th of June, 1990, which was also Father's Day. Having that experience didn't always make me somebody who thought the way I think now, but I think it's got something to do with being older than he was when he died that's made me realize every single day that I'm alive is longer than my dad got. And because my life is full of so many things that are important to me, if I'm not intentional about what I value and how I want to spend my time, then I risk losing those days, spending them on things that ultimately, if that turns out to be my last day, will be things that I will wish I had not done, things I'll wish I had set aside so that I could prioritize the things that were important. And so that's why this is tip number one. Because for most of us, when everything seems like it's fine, we don't focus on the value of the everyday. We don't focus on the connections that are important to us. Instead, we focus on the deadlines and the presentations and the emails and the money. So before the summer holidays, stop and figure out what is it that's really important to you and what are you going to have to put aside during that six-week period so that you can live as if those things actually are important to you. When we're intentional about those things, life becomes much more valuable, much more enjoyable, and there's a certain satisfaction 
in knowing that you are living in alignment with the things that really matter to you. So stress becomes a little bit lower and you do start figuring out how to let go of stuff. And if you're not really sure what's important to you or how to even figure it out, then visit bighappylife.co.uk, click on the resources tab, and there's a few things there that could help get you started. Failing that, if you want to have a conversation, have a coaching session, then just book a discovery call. We can chat about what you'd like to do and we'll go from there. Tip number two is to make a plan for staying committed to the things that you've just said you value. If your experience is anything like mine and also the experiences of some of my clients, the part where you sit down and figure out what you want can feel quite optimistic, motivational, empowering, exciting, inspiring. It can be really fun. But then the reality can become something that just becomes another way to beat yourself with a stick. Where you're going, I said this was important and now I'm not living that way. Ah, I'm awful, I'm horrible and all the judgment that goes with that. We're so often taught that writing down your goals and writing down your intentions is enough. And it isn't. It's enough to give you something to aim at, which is very important and it's a key part of the process. But it's still not enough to get you through the everyday, the moments where your boss is breathing down your neck and you have a report that's due tomorrow, but you said to your kids that you were gonna take them out to play football, and now you have to choose which one are you gonna do. So my tip here is to figure out what needs to happen, either in preparation for those moments, knowing that they will come up. These things are not surprises. We treat them as though they are, we go, they were unforeseen. They're not unforeseen, but it's happened every single time there were summer holidays. It's happened every single time you've had a lot of work. It's happened every single time you've had too many things on the go. These are not unforeseen, but because we don't prepare for them, we treat each one as though we've had no experience of it. Our stress goes through the roof. We feel bad about ourselves. And it provides more proof that we're just not in control the way we thought we were. So as part of your plan, take a moment to figure out what are the kinds of things that always feel unforeseen in your life, but actually there's a pattern. There's always last minute stuff for work. There's always more work than you'd expect. There's always certain things that predictably interrupt your flow. What are those things? And in order to live with the values that you have, what do you need to do, think, say, feel in order to manage those situations in line with the things that are important to you. Which brings me to tip number three, which is talk to your team. Now, your team might be your family, it might be people at work, it might be extended family members or friends. Basically, your team is anyone in your network who you do things to affect and people who do things that affect you. Either those things can be positive or they can be unhelpful. It just depends on the situation or what's going on. But basically, people who can have an impact on you and people who you can have an impact on. This is a really important part of the planning phase and is a really important part of building relationships that can withstand the turbulent things that happen and the stuff where somebody ends up feeling let down or we are just not the best versions of ourselves. I don't know whether it's a female thing, whether it's a mom thing, but it's certainly a pattern or a trend I notice in females and in particular in mums, which is the sense that they feel as though they have to do everything, solve every problem, make every decision, be everything for everyone, including the people at work. And the pattern seems to go a bit like this. While everything is good, they show up everywhere, they do everything, they are on it, 
They say yes to things that other people might say no to. They extend themselves to do extra bits and pieces for the kids, extra bits and pieces for work. They might feel a little bit stressed, but eh, they can cope. It's all okay. Until one day it's not. Until one day the imbalance shows up and they're like, what the hell? I'm doing everything for everyone. No one even thanks me. No one pays any attention. I'm being totally taken for granted. This is not okay. And the summer holidays really lend themselves to those kinds of moments. But they don't have to. If you know what's important to you, you know what to let go of, you have a plan for sticking to those values, and you have your team on side to support you. This step can be a bit vulnerable because it involves talking to people about what you need and how they can help you, and also what's important to them. Because quite often you'll find once you've had these conversations, things that you are killing yourself to get done aren't actually that important to the people you're doing those things for. And that includes your kids. One of my earliest memories of a conversation I had with my daughter was about two months after the kids first arrived. I was sitting reading a parenting book and my daughter came and sat down beside me and she asked me what I was reading. So I told her and she said, so you're learning how to be a better mom? And I said, yeah, basically. So I said to her, I'm learning loads of stuff, but actually it would probably be good to know what you think. So what if I was to tell you what this lady in the book is saying, and then you tell me whether it's a good idea or not? And she was going, yeah, that's a great idea. And I said, okay, well, one thing that I've learned today is she says you should always let kids do things for themselves rather than doing things for them because it helps them to feel stronger and more independent and it also helps them learn how to do things themselves. So she says we should do that. What do you think? And she goes, that's a really good idea. Like, could I make my own lunch? At the time, she used to take packed lunches to school and one of the things I used to stress about in the mornings was getting her packed lunch done. So until that point, what was happening was she would be off in her room, either playing or getting dressed or whatever, depending on how much time she had available, and I would be in the kitchen making her lunch. After that conversation, it became something that she did with my help. So we were in the kitchen together. It was something so small, but it brought an opportunity for her to say what she wanted, which in our house and in those early days of the relationship was a really big deal. And it basically created an activity so talking that way has become something we do naturally in our family. We have a family meeting every week. We sit down on Sunday after we have pancakes in the morning and we talk a little bit about the week just gone and a little bit about the week ahead so that everyone has an opportunity to kind of be heard if there's anything they want to say. This is kind of a vital part of our family dynamic and even our six-year-old now will say, aren't we having a family meeting if everyone gets up from the table after pancakes? In the summer holidays, those meetings are vital because it's an opportunity for the kids to talk about the things that worked well for them the previous week, things that they want to repeat, things that they would love to do, ways they want to spend time together. And it's an opportunity for me to talk to them about what lies ahead. If I've got work coming up, how do you guys want to spend the time? I've got four hours here or two hours there, or I need to do this, or this day feels a little bit awkward. What do you guys think? How might we do this? And they come up with suggestions every single time. And the cool thing is, when it's their suggestions, they're far more likely to stick with them. So to do what they've agreed. Whereas when we tell them stuff, you know, I need you to do this because I have to do that. 
there's usually much more pushback or there's much more opportunity for things to go a bit awry. And I think that's the same for work teams as well. So a lot of times we don't talk to our colleagues. So there'll be people in your team who have no kids, people in your team who have kids, and then it becomes this kind of, no one's really talking about it. Oh, well, you know, she's going to go off and do summer holidays. Oh, la, 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 this is a problem because, and then the person who's got the kids is thinking, well, you don't know what it's like, or they're feeling guilty, but no one's really having a conversation about what it means to be a team rather than just being five people or four people who work for the same person. What do you need from each other? What can you give? What are you worrying about? What are the concerns? Having those types of conversations can take a little bit of practice. So if you and your team are new to talking that honestly and openly with each other and negotiating to the point where you arrive at solutions that will actually hold up in the moment, you can again reach out to me, just email natalie at bighappylife.co.uk and let me know what it is that you and your team need. And we'll work together to create a training package or coaching package for you. Tip four is carve out time for yourself. This is not time to just veg and chill and watch Netflix or drink wine and eat chocolate, although some of the time would be useful for that. However, if that's how you use any downtime you have, there's nothing going back in to top up your reserves. What I mean by that is there's no physical or mental topping up happening. You don't think more positively or feel more inspired or more energetic. You don't feel stronger in yourself or more empowered, or at least not reliably so based on activities like Netflix, drinking and eating. So carving out time for yourself means carving out time for activities that are going to top you up in some kind of mental or physical way. Something that allows you to feel better in yourself, to feel stronger, to see yourself as more capable, to feel calmer, to have better access to your ability to calm yourself when things do get stressful, anything like that. Something that puts into the mix a feeling or story or ability that will ultimately become useful to you in a future situation. I've spoken about these kinds of things a lot, but some kind of stillness practice, meditation, breath work, anything like that, some kind of movement practice, be that yoga, pilates, a HIIT workout, whatever, something that gets your blood flowing and allows you to just leave behind the realities of whatever it is you're dealing with for a short time and also an opportunity to reflect. So having a journal, some way to write and keep a note of what's going on for you and what you want to do in future as well. The last activity I find really helpful is reading. And not just reading fiction or something for relaxation, although that is lovely too, but reading things, I call this source material, things that provide the basis on which your thoughts will form and your ideas will form. So things that give you more useful thoughts and ideas for situations and times like these where things are that bit tougher, rhythms are that little bit off, and you kind of have to bring your A game all the time. My preference is audiobooks because then I can listen to them while I'm exercising and I also find I take in the information better when my body's moving so I find combining those two activities is really helpful. Unless I'm doing a HIIT workout or something. If I'm out for a run or a walk then audiobooks are perfect. 
And if you're looking for some inspiration for the books you might listen to, I've put a list of my favorites in the show notes, which you can find at bighappylife.co.uk. There are some parenting books, some psychology books, some books on happiness and self-improvement, and all of them at one point or another have made a difference in my life. Those are the activities that tend to keep me focused on the things I value and the things that I planned because they become like basically daily anchors to those goals and to those plans. Which brings me to the final tip, which is to find some useful, practical way to be mindful of those values and plans each day. In the early days of the adoption, I had all of these intentions and all of these goals, a bit like what I've said to you in tip one. But I found that I was going to bed every night feeling like I had let myself down, like I had let my kids down. And I used to rehash and run through all the times during the day that I had got it wrong. And over time, I think that started to compound. I think that's one of the reasons why I ended up getting so depressed for such a long time was because I felt the pressure of needing to do better and constantly feeling like a total failure. And then I found this mindfulness hack, basically, which was to put five elastic bands, to hair bands or whatever, just something loose that you can wear around your wrist. I put five of them on my left wrist. And then anytime I did something that was out of alignment with what mattered to me as a parent, I'd move one of those bands to my right wrist. And it would stay there until I made amends. So the goal wasn't that they had to stay on the left wrist, that I had to be perfect. The goal was that I had to finish the day with all of the bands on my left wrist. So it kind of allows A, for things to go wrong because we're human and we have to allow for that, and B, to focus on making amends and returning to intention when things have gone wrong. I used that quite specifically to focus on the things I wanted to do to build the relationship with my kids. Like I said, our situation was different to a lot of families because my children came to me when they were that much older. And so I I felt a certain amount of pressure to use the time I had really well to connect with them. And in my mind, there wasn't room for me to take for granted the things that other parents may potentially be able to take for granted. So I had something that was very specific to me But the most interesting thing to come out of doing that actually at the time was that prior to using those bands, I had the sense that I was a terrible mother. I got myself so upset because every time I did anything that wasn't in my mind good enough, it kind of racked up a negative point in my mind. So by the time I go to bed each night, all I had was these negatives flying around in my head. What those bands helped me see was that I was also doing a huge amount of positive. And I did manage to finish the days, almost all of the days, with those five bands comfortably on my left wrist. So where I did step out of alignment with the things that I valued and that mattered to me in my parenting, I course corrected and I could start to see that. 
And so gradually what happened was that my memories of the days started to shift and I started to remember also the positive things I had done, the lessons that I had learned, the lessons that I was showing and teaching my kids about what it means to be human and vulnerable and fallible. And actually it tied really nicely to tip three, which was talking to your team. My daughter, who was old enough at the time to understand what I was doing, was in on it as well. So she knew what the bands were and she would see and she'd go, oh, you've moved one, what, what happened? And I would tell her if, if it hadn't concerned her, if it had, then she would know. But she would be in on it and we would work out how to get the band back over to my left wrist. What did I need to do? What was the learning from it? And so she was kind of complicit in the whole thing. And it was another activity that bonded us. I don't still use that tip very regularly, but when I know I need to focus and I also need to see myself more positively and I need to be able to course correct in the moment, I return to things like that. Sometimes I use little visual cues on my desk, like little post-its. Sometimes I use the hairbands. You can basically pick anything that's easy to use, that's right there with you, and that will allow you to course correct quite quickly. And ultimately, these five tips together give you a good chance of making every day something that you feel proud of, something that you feel that you took control of, and something that allows you to weather the hard stuff and also be an amazing role model for your kids. I hope you find it helpful. I hope you and your family have an amazing summer holiday together. I hope you get all of the work done too, and I hope you arrive at the other end, taking your kid into school in September, knowing that you have left them with amazing memories that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. With the school holidays coming up, one of the things that I have to lower the priority of is, of course, my podcast, because rather than recording, I will be spending time with my family. So the podcast will be taking a six-week break, and the first of the new series will be out on the 25th of August. Again, I've got loads of great material and fantastic guests lined up for you, and I'm really excited about sharing all of that with you. I know many of you have come to enjoy the podcast regularity and have every week come to listen to the latest episode. And for that, first of all, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. But I also want to remind you that this is episode 70. So there are likely to be episodes that you haven't heard yet. And if you wanted to, you could go back to the back catalogue and maybe listen to some of the older episodes that also catch your interest. In the meantime, if you found this episode useful, I would love it if you could leave a review. It's a great help for attracting new listeners. And I would also be super grateful if you could share it with anybody who you think would benefit from listening. If you have comments or questions, you can, as always, leave those on the show notes page at bighappylife.co.uk or just email me directly, natalie at bighappylife.co.uk. For now, though, have an absolutely wonderful holiday with your children. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.